One, two, three, four. Just another day at my dead end profession. I've lived day to day. Yeah, listen to some good old country records on the radio. And yeah, what else can I say? Welcome back to the program. I'm Ryan Shores. With me remotely is Dave Callens. Hello. And from his home and wherever his bunker is, Robert Timothy. Woohoo! <laughs> Dave, are you sad now that you don't have a catchphrase the way I do? Like you're just every time he's like, and Dave, and you're like, I don't know what to say. I'm like I'm like that dude who's nervous on stage and doesn't know what to do with his no, hands. I'm actually highly amused that you cling to that as a catchphrase. That's almost <laughs> sad. Uh, <laughs> can I say it like that? I think it's a great catchphrase. <laughs> We'll have, we'll have listeners weigh in on that. Woo-hoo! Anyways, um, we're still doing this remotely. We're sorry to get so long to put out a second episode remotely, but uh, evidently the last episode took Bobby seven hours of editing. Oh, no, no, no. I let you know when I was at seven hours. It took about 13 hours of editing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, hopefully we've worked out the bugs. I've, You're I've just done, really I... trying to fine-tune his woo-hoo. That's yeah, what it that's where most of it was woo-hoo-based editing. Well, what I've done is I've made sure, like, because last time I know you had to edit out a bunch of my dogs in the background. I've, yeah. I've, I've figured out the formula for them howling is I have to block any sight Rufus has from the outside world. I, he's like a canary or a parakeet. Uh-huh. I just got to black out all the curtains. Yeah. And, but if the mailman comes during the, this recording, we're all yep. fucked. He's going to hear him <laughs> and he's going to howl for 45 minutes. Anyway. Now, it only really works if you go one step further and block the oxygen. Then, then they yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> Pretty dark there, Bobby. Pretty dark. Killing beagles. Anyway. Well, it's the guy who said he would shoot his dog in the back of the head, so what do you expect? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, let's not let's not take an act of mercy and make something wrong with it. If my dog was dying of cancer, I would cradle it and cuddle with it and then take it out in the most painless way possible. That's a good thing, Dave. I mean, but but explain your erection. <laughs> I love guns! <laughs> so anyways, um, a few things. Obviously, we're all still quarantined. One thing that I found very interesting during all this is people are still setting up GoFundMes to help them with their expenses. Now, let me just say this. I like GoFundMe. I just think it's often misused. You know, I think it's great when somebody, let's say a, a, a tragedy happens, a tree falls on someone's house and their insurance says, fuck you, you didn't spring for the tree coverage. And they can go on GoFundMe and go, hey, everyone, here's what I'm going through. If you can help me out, this is really upended my life. And people can, you know, throw a, a 20 bucks in a piece and, you know, get that family back on their feet. I think that's great. I also think it's great when bands are like, hey, we want to tour. You guys have been clamoring for us to tour, but we can't afford to. If you do this, you know, it includes a T-shirt and a ticket to the show, whatever, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, everybody, also- check out who's a fan of socialism over here. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's a microchasm of socialism, which is cool. I'm waiting for GoFundMe <laughs> to just become what it was built to become, which is just a prostitution website. Like, it's basically, hey, if I get to this level, somebody's getting blown. Nice. I didn't know that. Well, wow, I would be a bit more loose with my wallet. Uh, anyways, <laughs> that's actually how Bobby set up our GoFundMe for the podcast. You didn't know that? You're yeah, on the hook right now, Ryan. But you're the one that has to blow them. So, anyways, but we've talked about that on the show before. It's often misused. You know, like some people are like we've seen many comics be like, "Hey guys, please contribute to my GoFundMe to help me with my dream of not having a day job." Like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? We've seen that happen. We've seen it misused in other ways. This, I find kind of... When, when people are setting up GoFundMes right now to help them specifically 
with their expenses during this thing that we're all going through? Is it me or does it seem kind of tone deaf? Here's what I mean. Usually a GoFundMe would be like, all right, we're all in a boat and Janet fell overboard and Janet goes, hey guys, I'm, I fell over. I'm in this bad circumstance. If you guys could please all come together to get me out of this cold water, I'd really appreciate it. But what's happened here... Time out, time out, time out. Do we like Janet? Is she kind of a bitch? Like, what's well, the vibe here? Let's assume Maybe we don't that, help we're, we're, that we're okay on Janet. She's not our favorite person on the boat, but we also don't want her to get eaten by a great white in front of our eyes. So we're like, all right, let's come together. Everyone link arms and let's get Janet out of the water. Uh, this situation feels more like if our whole boat capsized and everyone's in the water and Janet turns to everyone who's also treading water in the open Pacific Ocean and goes, hey guys, I need you all to come together and get me out of this cold water. I really don't like it in here. So if you could all just link arms and form like a human boat and I could just get on you and if you could just start kicking, that'd be fantastic. By the way, you just stole the plot to my Jaws reboot, so thanks a lot for that. <laughs> I do like the analogy, which is that it is a thing that's designed for, almost by definition, good times. Like, there, you have to have enough people in good times to support one person who's having a hard time. And so having if, a very uh, a hard situation that's very specific to them. That's, yeah. the, that's the key there. Yeah, and now it's like we're all kind of, obviously there'll be some cases, right, where even in this scenario, you would be like, oh shit, that person has it way worse. Like if somebody's like, hey, on top of all this, my daughter just got diagnosed with cancer and she can't go to the hospital. Yeah. Everybody's got, like, sure. There are situations where you're like, all right, cool. Uh, you know, I'm hurting, but I'll give five bucks to that cause because that guy's really, really hurting. But what's really bad is when they're like, you don't get it. I can't go outside and see my friends. And you're like, bitch, that's all yeah. of us. Yeah, it's weird how people are still acting, some people are still acting like this is a situation that's only specific to them. It's like the, you're, like your analogy, it's, it's like panhandlers. You know, you see people who stand on the corner asking for change, but then you also see people who like are doing that, then supposedly go get in a nice car and drive home. It's just the few people that abuse it, ruin it for everybody. Yeah, so what this is, this is the panhandler, but instead of going up to people coming out of the office building, he's going up to the other homeless people and demanding money. Yeah. Like, yeah, come on, you got a quarter, come on! <laughs> <laughs> now, now, on the other hand, I'm also seeing something that I've just found so... Is what's I, 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 have a, I have a large range of people that uh, I'm friends with online, and, and I get to see how, how they interact, and... There are some people, I'm going to say like I'm friends with like a dozen people like this, and I don't know why, but just apropos of nothing, once or twice a week, they get up on their soapbox and do the whole speech about, none of you should be asking for government handouts. This is before now. Uh, like, if anyone like applies for welfare, it's because they're a lazy bum. I, I worked my way up from nothing, and you should all be able to, too. And I have seen every single one of them this last week go, I'm not getting a stimulus check. I don't qualify. This isn't fair. I need a, I need a stimulus check. Um, and I just, mm, with a spoon, I eat it up. I'm like, oh, so so you need a, you need a bailout from the government, do you? Because you fell on some tough times? <laughs> it is always weird where people draw that line. Like, oh, how dare you take services from the government? And I'm like, interesting. Who built the road that you drove to work on this morning? Because... Yeah, but it's funny that uh, people like that, the people who were in a, a fine situation, whether they own their own construction business or whatever, 
They keep moving the goalposts to what makes you a bum and what makes you a success story and what is a, when the appropriate time is to ask for any type of bailout. The, the goalpost is always moved conveniently to where they're at. So if, if, if a family like it, it lost their job, the, the, the breadwinner lost their job, oh, you people should pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But as soon as something happens like this, they're like, wait a minute, I deserve a bailout. Yeah, it's, it's always just, it, it's the classic example of like, it's not a problem until it happens to me personally. Now, oh my God, how did someone help me? Yeah, and I'm seeing all these people that say, oh, if you accept handouts, then you're a bum. Now they need said handout, and suddenly the rules have changed. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I hope it's, I'm hoping it'll change some people's point of view, but I know deep down it absolutely will not. Also, these same people are the ones, the ones you're talking about, are the ones who are like, you know, before quarantine, before all this shit, they're the same ones who are like, oh, you should have had money saved up. You should have had a safety net. You should have had blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now that they're on hard times, they're looking at, they've like spent all their money on like a fancy pool in their backyard or like a hot rod or like some unnecessary expense that they didn't need. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I didn't see this coming. Well, that's what the, that's a lecture you've been giving everyone for about 12 years, isn't it? Yeah. Also, guys, do you remember when conspiracy theorists were like one out of every 100 person or even less? Do you remember when it was not as common as now? Honestly, it's been such a gradual creep. I do not remember that. I don't. It's been I such do. a gradual... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point something out to you, okay, guys? Not too long ago, just three years ago, when we discovered a fucking conspiracy theorist that thought the Earth was flat, we held an event that... Now, now by the way... We didn't charge for tickets, but it was standing room only. It was essentially sold out. So many people said, oh my God, I can't believe you found someone so fucking stupid that thinks the earth is flat that it filled a venue so people would come see it. We couldn't do that today. In 2020, if we said, hey, we found a guy that thinks that uh, cell phone towers are causing coronavirus. Want to come see Bobby debate him? They'd be like, no, of course not. Those guys are a dime a dozen. Also, I can't go outside, so. (laughs) It It is interesting. It ebbs and flows. But I actually, I kind of think we just weren't exposed to it. Like, I think because we didn't have the internet... Everybody had a weird cousin or uncle or something who was a conspiracy theorist, but they couldn't all embolden each other by getting together, and they weren't so vocal, so you didn't hear about it as much. You only heard about it if it was somebody who was very close to you or, or, or whatever, because they, they probably also I didn't I don't know. Keep... I, I disagree, because a few years ago, we all had the internet when we held that event where you debated the Flat yes. Earther, and and everyone was... It, 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 was a, it was such... Like I said, it was such a rare thing that everyone's like, I can't believe there's a guy that thinks that. And now, I feel like every third person I talk to has some kooky fucking idea about uh, cell phone towers causing coronavirus or something worse. I feel like you're right that we wouldn't be able to sell out an event like that again, but I think it's for a different reason. And I think that reason is it's become so fucking exhausting yeah. talking to these people that refuse to acknowledge logic that everyone just be like, no, I can't go to that event. It would just frustrate the fuck out of me that I couldn't explain something simple to this person. They'd be like, no, I, I just found out I have an uncle, I have a cousin, and my stepbrother all believe that reptile people uh, caused 
the, uh, the earth to be flat or whatever it is. So yeah, I think that those people existed. And I, I don't know. I actually, in a weird way, I think we're getting better because if you look at like the stats on like vaccine conspiracy theories, it was like at 40% of the U.S. population in 2004, like believed in that shit. And now they are a minority we all get to mock online because it's 5%, right? So, like, there are things that we got a lot better. They used to be, like, one-third of all people in the United States were 9-11 conspiracy theorists to some extent or another. And that is now a fringe mm. thing, too, right? So I kind of... Is it? Being... I feel like... See, I, I, I see it getting more prevalent. Uh, Same. I, I might be I might have a rose colored glasses, but I feel like we're slowly chipping away at that. Now what we're chipping away at is like the people who get caught up because they saw a stupid YouTube documentary and they're just kind of dim, right? Like those people who used to get caught up because it was two thousand five and you probably couldn't research stuff as easily and they saw loose change and they were like, Fuck, this is real. And so they were like those people <laughs> those people are the ones we can now get to and we can take out. And I think that made up a big percentage of conspiracy. What do you mean by take out? Well, Whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, he think, means what you think he means. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly you know what? On second thought, I'm on board. I think those people can be gotten to and their minds can be changed. But what I do think you're talking about is a different phenomenon. I think the deal is that the very small percentage, like the two or three percent of people who are avidly into these things, now they have a community that they can get together with and bounce stuff, ideas off of, and they've become much more vocal. So while I think the percentage of people who have like conspiracy theory beliefs, I honestly believe that has gone down in the U.S. I think the ones that have them are super vocal nutcase. Like, all we're left with is the pure nutcase. Here's my example. The Ku Klux Klan used to have, like, hundreds of thousands of members, right? Yeah, man, I was one of them. It was a great time back then. It's, it's too bad it was all ruined. <laughs> Most of those guys were just casually racist. They didn't care a lot. They were in a small town and they I wanted to get together. I just came for the potluck on Wednesdays, yeah, really. Yeah, they just wanted to get know. together and drink beers and stuff. They didn't know what the fuck was going on. But then we started recognizing what horrible people the Ku Klux Klan were. And so their numbers dropped. And now there's like 7,000 of them. But those 7,000 guys are fucking dedicated. They're marching down the street in their brightly colored robe. They're making posts all the time. Like There's fewer, but they're way louder. Okay, counterpoint counterpoint to that, Bobby, that you think there's fewer. Go on Facebook anytime you want and just type 5G. <laughs> you will have hundreds of people coming in, chiming in about how that's how the coronavirus got spread. That There's definitely at least as many, if not more, of them out there. I think they're just spreading among different conspiracies. Maybe that's why you think they're thinning out. I'm so interested in this, too, because, like, so this is non-ionizing radiation. These are radio waves. Like 5G is just a different form of a radio wave that's coming in. Oh, you want to use made-up words? Okay, we can what? use made-up words. <laughs> what do people think is going to happen? Like, are you scared of your Wi-Fi router too? It's the same concept. Like, what exactly do people think is going to happen? And it's non-ionizing radiation. What do you, like, where is the thing that's going to impact the thing? Like, how do you view the physics of this working out? One of my favorite things about that conspiracy is one of the biggest pieces of quote-unquote evidence they present is they'll show a map of where 5G is yeah. and then a map of the coronavirus cases and say, look, it's the same. And you rationally, you're like, yeah, that's population density. That's what that map is. Right. Like and where the people are is where they build the towers, where the people are is where the sickness is spreading. I think there's like six countries that have 5G right now, and there's a few more who have. <laughs> also, one's a fucking virus. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, you know, it, it, what's really disappointing, I don't know if you've had, if had this happen yet, uh, I'm sure you have, is when you find out someone you really kind of dig and respect as a human is one of these people. Uh, it just happened ooh. to me again the other day. This uh, this guy, 
I've always liked, I still like him, even though he believes in some kooky stuff. Uh, he's a fighter with King of the Cage, you know, that, uh, and I, yeah. I, I, he's always been a fan of mine and, and posted my material on his page, and he's always been a great guy, and I, I mocked people uh, that believe that cell phone towers are causing coronavirus, and oh, I was so disappointed. This guy came right at me with all these these websites and links, like, before you mock it, you need to do your research, and the, the, the sources he gave me were like, WordPress websites that just yeah, been created. And, and Listen, that's because the mainstream media is not going to give you the truth. You got to right. go to the source. And, and, and you got to find the people who aren't afraid to tell I, the truth. As he was blowing up my thread with all these misspelled websites, and I was like, oh no. You're like, GeoCities is still around? I write it. Listen, GeoCities is the biggest beneficiary of conspiracy theories. Yeah. They're, the, they're taking getting so much out of this. That's and true. given fighters aren't sharp guys. No. I mean, I'm not saying they are. No. I was in that world for a while, and I don't think I met a fighter that wasn't stupid. I, did, yeah. I, I didn't. I mean, they, yeah. they, they're not funny. They're not smart. I couldn't even be the funny guy around fighters because they were too dumb to get nuance. But anyways, yeah. um, so I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, God, it's one of these guys, and it's like, look at this one. This was this was in it from a book. I'm like, written by who? He's like, written by a guy who writes books. I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus. So, anyways, um, you know, it, it, it made me think of something. Was and I asked you guys earlier to think about this. When was the first time before conspiracy theorists became a thing? Before it became something we were all talking about? When was the first time you came across? A conspiracy theorist, and where it threw you off. Like, what is this guy talking about? Do you, do you guys even remember? Yeah, well, I've got I've got kind of two that come up big in my mind. One is I grew up debating, like in a pretty serious way, creationists. And in a way, creationists is kind of the ultimate conspiracy theory. It's like all the scientists are against us, biology that's, that's is against us. That's not so us. fringe. Like those guys, I mean, those those guys are indoctrinated into that as children. Like technically, yeah. my family is creationist because we're Catholic, even though no, a, most, I mean, the vast majority of Catholics are not creationists. Like that's a very tiny minority. It's usually evangelical well, Christians. And even then it's a super tiny minority. We only think it's it's normal because it's the United States. Like if you were to go to any other first world country and they heard that you thought the earth was 6,000 years old, you very well might be committed. Like it, it's not something that's common or even reasonable in other places. Dude, creationists also, they have the best uh, defense because if you say, oh, here's actual physical evidence... Yeah, the devil put that there. Yeah, of yeah. <laughs> that's great. And do you know what? Uh, that some of the things that they believe in creationism is uh, the stuff that uh, was not around uh, be, uh, before the Great Flood. Do you guys know about what, what, what they think was around and not around? Oh well, I mean, that's number one, dinosaurs. No, they believe there was dinosaurs. They do yeah. believe there were dinosaurs. Yeah, no, I know. Before and the we Great Flood, we were just flood. hanging out with them. Yeah, we were yeah. just hanging out. All right, that's number one. But the dinosaurs ate, like, pineapple and, and fruits because... Because ah. it makes their jizz take better? Uh, <laughs> uh, also, there was no weeds. No weeds. No dandelions, no nothing before the Great Flood. Oh, and we all had venom like snakes. Like, if someone was pissing you off, you'd go... <laughs> and then just fucking bite them and they'd be dead. But uh, the Great Flood took that away from us because we were misbehaving. Anyways... Well, but yeah, they know all that if you're going to be battling these creationists. By oh the way. no, I mean, I I would go into pretty deep creationists, and you have to remember each creationist is different based on their individual religion. So, like, there's Muslim creationists are very very different from Baptist creationists and Catholics and all these other things. So, like, 
you have to kind of know who you're dealing with. So yeah, like, you they, can't take that 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 T Rex and pineapple analogy into a Muslim yeah. creationist. You look stupid. So I got really good at dealing with them from a young age because I was on like I was like formally debating them on on a fairly decent scale from the age of like 15 or 16 up through through my 20s. But the first one that I remember was a boss that I had at the end of college, my kind of like college job. I was doing stereo installations and stuff like, you know, hanging TVs, that kind of thing. And the guy who ran that company, which was like this tiny two, three person company, was such a batshit crazy 9-11 conspiracy theorist that he had gotten the other guys at the company on board. And when I wouldn't get on board, he changed the schedule. So he and I had to be together all day, every day for like three weeks. Yeah, he was the boss. So he changed the schedule. And he just threw material at me. For 10 hours a day, five days a week. And it was just constantly, well, what about this? And I was like, well, you're right. It can't melt steel beams, but you know what it can do? Weaken them until the building can collapse. And So it, he was basically pulling the uh, Catholic priest take on the altar boy on you. Like, yeah. Spend all your time with me. Yeah, I'll bring yeah. you around. Well, I'd be like, well, I'll give you this. I now believe in a hell. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was one and what ended up happening is he he kind of made it his mission to evangelize me so to speak and when he could not get me to switch over to be a 9/11 conspiracy theorist it infuriated him because he was a really controlling dude a weird boss and this was a small company and he needed everybody to believe the way he believed and when i simply wouldn't he got so frustrated he would literally those last few days he was with me he would scream at me and get really angry and then eventually he fired me <laughs> hey it's a good thing he couldn't spit venom at you it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah yeah or he could have like su- uh, like sicked his uh, t-rex uh, eat a pineapple <laughs> on you <laughs> I also have two that just stick in my head. And um, like I said, for me, I think conspiracy theories have been just a, such a slow creep that it's just been this thing that's just built up. I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. But I remember one of the first ones, I used to love the sitcom News Radio. Yes, yeah. me too. Fantastic show, super underrated. And I remember Joe Rogan's character, Joe Gorelli, was yep. a conspiracy theorist on yep. the show. And yeah. he would talk about the fake moon landing. And I remember finding out that that was how Joe Rogan actually felt back in like the late 90s. Yeah. It was like... Oh, my God. Really? Like, back then, when I found out that someone I liked or respected or admired believed in conspiracy theories, it was sort of like finding out that your friend is a racist. You're like, yeah. oh, man, you you think like that? Uh, yeah. I don't know if I can. Did you use the lizard people word? You can't use that. That's their word. <laughs> the second one was uh, like maybe eight years ago in comedy, a comic good friend of mine. I found out he believed in chemtrails. And it was the same thing. It was like, oh, man, yeah. I thought you were smart. The one that really sticks out in my head, this one, um, uh, again, this is way – Facebook was in its infancy. So I, I really uh, – I had never heard of someone thinking the earth was flat before. Not that this guy was one of those, I don't think. But anyways, I'd never heard of a conspiracy theorist before. So I was like 24. And I was just started work at this company. Um, it was like an online college. Think like University of Phoenix type thing, but in their corporate office, you know. Uh, this guy that I worked with, he was quite a bit older than me. I was like in my early 20s. He was in his early 40s. And he was like a cool black guy. And he always, like, he always wore, he always dressed really sharp. Like, uh, the, the business attire at this job 
was uh, business casual. You'd get away with like jeans and an untucked button-up shirt and a tie. He would come in in like a three-piece suit. I'd be like, why are you doing that, man? He'd be like, you don't dress for the job you want. I'm trying to get into management. I'd, I'd be like, oh, shit. And he did get into management. He helped me out. And uh, I was friends with this guy for a couple of years. And like we'd go out to lunch a few times a, a week. And like when my girlfriend, my living girlfriend cheated on me, I came to him and he had great life advice because his first marriage had ended because of infidelity and he helped me get through it and, and you know, try to counsel me on how emasculating that whole situation is. I really, really looked up to this guy and he really did for the most part, have his head on straight. Like, he got this promotion. He helped me get a little bit of promotion. He, you know, he's doing all this shit. Like, he, really, he was like that cool older black guy. And then one day, when we were at lunch, he just goes, um, you know, I used to work for the government before this. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, what does that mean? The, yeah. Yeah, postal Postman. service, DMV, yeah. that yeah. can mean a lot of things. But he was steering it more towards... Uh, Secret Service type things, and I'm like, like protecting the president. Not quite. More like spy James <laughs> Bond I type think. things. All right. Now again, this guy had built up two years of good faith with me, so I was like, what? You know, like I, I, I if some dude in the street said I used to be a secret agent, I'd be like, radio, and I'd keep walking. But with this yeah. guy, I'd known him two years. He'd always done right by me before. I'm like, really? And so. You know, I at first I just kind of took it face value. He's like, yeah, I was, uh, you know, doing covert ops for the government for, you know, the last twelve years before I came here, and and so I would listen to these stories, and uh, again at first I'm like, I had no reason to believe this guy would be a liar. Yeah, but then eventually you get to the point where you're like, did the government know you're doing these covert ops? <laughs> And also, is that the usual progression of, of a spy's career? Like, they go through the Naval Academy, then they get, graduate, you know, they go off to war for a while, then the CIA recruits them clandestinely, they work for 10 or 12 years, and then go off to the University of Phoenix's receiving department? Right there, I was like, okay, so you went from James Bond to a uh, glorified telemarketer. <laughs> yeah. That seems a bit skewed uh, but his he had a reason for that he was like well I my, my records have been classified for my whole career so after I I, uh, I went out and, and got out I, uh, you know I, I had no work record my all my uh, are classified so it makes it look like I've had no work record I'm like alright and so the more stories he told me the more they would sound like movies now even at 24 I was not a child when someone tells you stories that sound eerily similar to like Sylvester Stallone yeah. uh, Bruce Willis action vehicles I'm like you know what one thing I've already learned at 24 is life is usually not like the movies like for instance if someone's telling you a story about how they've caught a shark and it's eerily similar to the movie Jaws yeah. it's like yeah and then we went out and then and then we put a guy down in a shark cage and the shark attacked the cage and then he sunk the boat and he ate the captain it's probably bullshit those stories, like, they more read around, like, we had the lions in for, like, nine hours and nothing happened, then we got one, then we kind of towed it into shore. Yeah, it'd be great to, uh, to like, get his 
stories after he ran out of the good ones? Because you got to imagine, right? He used his best stories on Ryan the first two weeks. And then as Ryan starts getting more doubtful, he starts like just he's having to recycle old movie things. And so I just want to see like a snap back to Ryan. He's 24 years old. He has his head in his hands. He's sitting there going, yeah, I get it, Bill. I get it. And he goes, no, you don't understand. At the end, I'm Kaiser Soze. <laughs> See, that's one thing that I'm envious about these conspiracy theorists for is I've got screenplay ideas I've been sitting on for years and I just can't figure out how to make the story. And these guys just come up with this. Shit. I'm like, oh, my God, how do you come up with these ideas? It's amazing. Teach me how to create these amazing, fantastic ideas that I could sell to a movie. No, studio. they're horrible ideas. <laughs> At this point uh, in the story, I'm like pretty skeptical. All of this shit is true. But that's when he takes it up a notch. We, were at, we went out to lunch, and he's like, all right, now that I've vetted you and, and I can see that you're a true friend, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you some inside stuff that I learned being, you know, a spy for the government. He's like, now that I've vetted you, uh, if you and all your friends give me $200 each, <laughs> then you get people to give... You also get to be James Bond. That's all it takes, a $200 deposit. Buy your own tuxedo, though. Uh, he's like, now that I've vetted you, I can tell you the secrets of the government. I'm like, all right. And he goes, he shows me some grainy photo of something that looks like, I don't know, those big circuit breakers that they have in the middle of neighborhoods, the power, like, I don't know. It looked kind of like that, but it was in the middle of some sort of snowstorm. He goes, this is a weather-causing device. The government has been, cha- is, has been causing our weather. Do you remember last year in San Diego when it rained for four months straight? Didn't you find that kind of unusual? Do you remember in summer of 2005 when the sun never came out? I'm like, all right. (laughs) Okay. And then he took it up a notch. Wow. He also, so after he told me about the weather changing device and that the government's, uh, then he went into chemtrails. I'd never heard what they were before, but he's like, you need to be eating a side berries. The government's poisoning us. See that? See that right there? I'm like, yeah, that's 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 uh, evaporated jet fuel. He's like, no, no, that's what they want you to think. You need to eat a side berries. A side berries are the only thing that's keeping them from killing us. And also, did you know? And he, he breaks open a Bible. I'm like, oh no. And he goes, look right here. Uh, it says right here in the Bible that giants used to walk the earth. We know where those giants are. I personally excavated them. I'm like, so you're an archaeologist now? <laughs> like, I thought you were a spy before. Wait, did you ask where? Did you did you even say where or where? The, you're saying you know where the giants are. You physically dug them up. Can you give me a hint? Can you give me? Yes, a- but it's government. It's just like uh, Area 51. You'll never get there if you try and go over there. It's like uh, the ice caps with the flat earthers. Oh, yeah. if I showed you, you'd be shot. So I can't do that. But yes, they uncovered the giants. <laughs> And they're harvesting the giant's DNA from biblical times so they can make a race of super giants. And they're killing us off with the chemtrails. And by the way, the fucking snow is controlled. And so I'm like, ah. And and then all of a sudden I realized that I've been taking advice from this guy for two (laughs) years. It was good advice. You know, like it was like, hey, you know, you have to let this girl go. She's cheating on you. She'll cheat on you again. I'm like. Thanks, man. That's good advice. By the way, giants She's been banging a giant behind your back. (laughs) (laughs) Would it be great if during the conversation, he slowly starts, like, taking off that really nice three-piece suit. He just unbuttons a few things, and he shows Ryan, and below it, he has, like, 
an insane asylum outfit on, and Ryan's like, what are you doing? He's like, dress for the job you want. <laughs> no, he takes the coat off, and he's wearing, it, it looks like lizard skin, but it's clearly like a, a fake lizard suit that he put on. He's like, I'm one of them. <laughs> he comes to work on stilts. I'm a giant now. So anyways, um, I tried LSD for the first time. Yeah. you About 20 uh, minutes ago. Wait for yeah. the ticket. <laughs> I want my giants and snow machine. What was funny about this is, Ryan, we were talking before, and I had advised you, you know, if you're going to do hallucinogens close to one another, try and do different ones, because, like, LSD works on your brain different than psilocybin, and you should really put some space in between those. So, And I got to admit, I'm glad I asked, because uh, just to give people a, a history of, of um, my drug use, because it, it does come into play, is I was pretty much a good kid. I never tried pot until I was like 17, 18 years old. And I really didn't like it, but everyone else did. So I kept, and everyone would tell me, oh yeah, you're not going to like it at first, but keep smoking. You'll love it. I, what a great advice. Force yourself to get addicted to a substance. That's yeah. the answer. So anyways, it took me until I was like 22 years old because I smoked pot all through college. And I'm like, you know what? I don't like this. Every time I smoke pot, I get very nervous and, and too many thoughts come rushing at me at once. It's like, it's like my, all of a sudden the voices in my head amplified to a thousand. I'm like, it's too loud in here. So anyways, I've, you know, tried cocaine, which was fine for me, but I never wanted to do hallucinogens for the same reason I don't like pot because I was afraid. Everyone always told me, if you think you're going to have a bad trip, you're going to have a bad trip. And I'm like, well, I think I'm going to have a bad trip, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> And then, fuck it, I, I always thought that I would be that one percenter of hallucinogen users that was running down the street smeared in feces naked screaming about the dragon chasing me. I'm like, that's totally going to be me. I'm never going to do it. So my drug use didn't really progress past there. I'm like, all right, alcohol, fine. Weed, not for me. Cocaine once in a while. If it's going around, fine. Oh, and then I tried ecstasy with my wife, and I really liked that about a couple times a year. Finally, Bobby got me to do mushrooms uh, at our friend's bachelor party, and I thought they were great. You and everyone else. I, uh, right. I'm like, this is great. fantastic. There, there, was no, there was no hallucinations running at me and, and no dragon chasing me. It, it, it was like uh, there was a euphoria. I felt giddy. I had a body high. I did them several times since, and it was always a great experience. And when I asked people about LSD, the one that I've been always so afraid of, other than meth, heroin, and PCP, which I'm not going to try. I mean, not all together like that. Come on. Yeah, also, <laughs> don't limit yourself. You have options in life. So, uh, you know, uh, LSD was still the one I was really scared about. Now, during this quarantine, as you can imagine, I got really bored. So I, And I found a, a dude that delivers mushrooms. I'm like, Ooh! Me and Aaron did mushrooms a couple weekends in a row. And it was awesome. And it's a drug you don't die on. Yeah. I also like that. You know, if we did cocaine, I'm like, ah, oh, we've been doing this for a couple hours now. My heart could just stop. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, so I'm like, this is great. If you overdose, you just, you, you lose your motor skills. And that did happen to me. Yeah. But all of a sudden, it, it got in my head, like, maybe it's not a good idea to do drugs back to back to back to back. So I called my drug uh, counselor, Bobby, here. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Bobby... Is it a problem that I'm doing mushrooms every weekend? He's like, yes, because you can lose your ability to get high. I'm like, well, I don't want that. 
And then Bobby says, you know what? You got to clean your system out. You got to cleanse your palate with some LSD. Do that to kind of clean it all out. And then you're you're not totally wrong, Dave. That's basically (laughs) what he said. My my wise sage advice was this, that psilocybin and psilocin work on your brain differently than LSD. And therefore, while you shouldn't do back-to-back trippings for any reason with any substance, if you are going to use them within the span of like, uh, six weeks, but specifically if you're going to do it within four weeks of one another, try and switch back and forth. It's like if your kid has a fever, you can give them Tylenol. Give them LSD, six- I know. Yeah. You, <laughs> give them, you give them Tylenol every six hours and you give them Motrin every six hours, but the Tylenol won't keep them from crying while they're teething for six hours, but you can switch back and forth. You can go from Tylenol to Motrin to Tylenol to Motrin as long as you keep those hours apart. Well, this is like the same or thing. Or you can just tell them to suck it up and deal with it. Yeah, come on, eight-month-old. What's wrong? You didn't get your your government checked, little baby? Yeah, so Bobby's like, yeah, you know, and, and, and by the way, in the interim, a lot of people said, uh, LSD's just like shrooms, which I had tried, and which I, it made me go, oh, I was, I was nervous about nothing for all these years. Uh, so, I did it, and let me just say, I did fuck up. Uh, I tried to hit, and nothing had happened for three hours, so I was like, oh, no. Ah, fuck. Uh, and so I called the guy. He's like, yeah, it should kick in within an hour. Three hours? He's like, oh, I must have given you a bad tab. Don't worry. I'm coming over with some more tabs. This one's on the house. And I went, oh, fantastic. Don't worry, man. The, 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 the motorized drug dealer, Uber Drugs, is on his way. We'll do another tab here. And then I did another bigger tab. So I essentially oh. had two and a half hits for my very first time. Ryan, can I can I interrupt you for a second to just remind me? Do you remember the other advice I gave you when you asked about this? When I said one, you should switch back and forth, and number two, you said I've never done it before. What should I know about LSD? And I said number the very the, the only thing I said was don't do too much. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't think uh, you said that to me. Thankfully, it's on I text message. I remember the switch back and forth thing, but I don't remember the do, don't do too much. But I already had that thought in my head. But in my mind, the first one was a dud. So I'm like, I'm not doing too much. I've done a tab and a half of acid, and I have a high tolerance, and I did mushrooms last weekend. This is what I'll do. Now, it finally starts to kick in. And to be fair, for the first hour and a half, I had a great time. Me and Aaron had had a blast. Just walking around my house, watching the white lava that was my, uh, my ceiling, listening to Black Sabbath. It was great. And then everything went wrong. I had a 12-hour waking nightmare. I'm going to tell you this. It unlocked parts of my brain that I don't think I was meant to see. Like, it was like things where I'm, I literally, by, by five in the morning, I was curled up in a ball going, okay, I'd like it to stop now. And it just kept fucking shooting these bad bad images in my fucking face. I hated it for the same reason I hate weed, only it was more intense, and everywhere I looked, I couldn't get away from it. I was trapped in this world, and it lasted for 12 fucking hours. And, and you know, I'm going to tell you, the worst part is that three separate occasions during this bad trip, I said to myself, this was the darkest part, I said, if there was a gun in the house, I would not even hesitate to blow my own head off. I don't care what it would do to my wife traumatically. I don't care that I know this will be over eventually. 
I, but I said to myself with absolute certainty, if I had a gun in my house, I would blow my fucking head off with it. Go ahead, Dave. So was it a good experience overall? No, I'm doing it again right now. Yes, no, it was not a good experience, buddy. I, I know I did too much, but I would never do it again because if there's even a 1% chance I ever have that trip again, it's yeah. not worth it. I'm going back to mushrooms eventually. But on the plus side, now he knows where the Giants are buried. Yeah. So he got that out of it. That did it. But also, Ryan, you got to take the right type of acid is the problem. You didn't get the right type of acid. So you do it again. I know the good stuff. You'll have a good trip. Hey, Dave, do you want to start theorizing what Ryan's nightmare was? Like what he was being bombarded with? I like to think it's just like a Kenny G sax solo. And he's like, no, no, give me a gun. It was, it was, you know, by the way, it was, I always thought it'd be in the room. Now, by the way, the room was pulsating. The floor was moving. uh, Everything was dripping. Now, that got old after a while, and that was part of it too. After 12 hours of that, you're like, I don't, I just want it all to stop. Everything looked like a scratched up mirror, and I couldn't look, like there's nowhere I could look where I could find peace. But the, the scary things were happening in my mind's eye, all right? Sure. What was occurring to me in my brain. And that was just a, a barrage of things I'm frankly not comfortable talking about yet, but it was just images like, why am I thinking of that? Why is that happening? So did Aaron take the same dose as you or no? Aaron took um, close to the same dose. How'd she react? She was over it by, she. I mean, she couldn't sleep uh, until the next day. And she was over that. She was like, she felt like very like, I'm up. And I, there's no fun or euphoria about it. I'm just, it's very intense, but there's no euphoria. It's not like Coke. It's not like fucking mushrooms. I'm just like, ah, she's like that. Aaron was like, if there was a gun in the house, I would shoot Ryan. I don't yeah. care what it would do to me traumatically. I would shoot Ryan. Hey, maybe I was being a little bitch. I was curling a ball and fucking on the verge of tears for fucking 10 of those 12 hours, dude. Yeah, you gotta always be careful with hallucinogens, specifically LSD, because that one you can get, uh, as I texted you, you can go back and look at your text. You know, the difference between the proper amount and a huge, huge overuse is a drop. Like literally, one drop, you're good, two drops, you're in a very bad place for 12 hours. And that doesn't happen with mushrooms, right? Like, you just would have to. mushroom turns into a lunatic. It's like, again, I took too much mushrooms and I, I, I left the planet, but I was fine. I'm like, I'm floating in space, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you know I, well, I think it's just. I mushrooms, but not that bad. Yeah, and I think it's just with, with mushrooms, it's more of like, it's hard to take that much more because it's hard to get down an eighth of mushrooms. It t- tastes disgusting. Like, it's hard to yeah. eat yeah. the yeah. right yeah. amount. So you're not about to accidentally eat two eighths. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, it's, a, yeah. it's certainly not by accident. Whereas with yeah. acid, somebody's like, oops, I pressed too hard on the dropper and two drops came out. Have fun for the next 14 hours. Yeah, yeah. And I think with mushrooms too, like one, uh, like, like, like one to four stems and caps aren't going to have the effect that that acid had on me. Yeah. Like, right. Over, over the line. Like I said, I went over the line with mushrooms and I just lost all my motor skills. And uh, like, I just kept hearing rushes of sound, but I'm like, ultimately I'm okay. You know? And also here's another difference I had between the times I've taken too much is with mushrooms. I'm like, Oh, man, well, this is all natural, and I'll be fine by tomorrow no matter what I'm hearing or seeing. But with acid, I kept all of a sudden hearing these things like, 
five tabs puts you in the insane asylum. And I like I kept having it, it, it fully convinced me. What if you never go back to normal? That was a real thought in my head. Yeah, and that's a that's a very scary and very common thought that people with hallucination with, on hallucinogens have. But that is very unlikely to happen unless you're predisposed to schizophrenia, and you probably would find that out by now. Uh, but next time, buddy, just give me a call. I'll try and help you. I, th- I feel like uh, I feel bad. I, I thought feel- about calling you at five in the morning, but I'm like. I can't call a married father of a toddler at 5 a.m. and say, Hey, I'm on acid, help me! No, no, I would, I would hope that, that you would have called me earlier in the night or something. But, like, I honestly believe that all of those things are completely unnecessary. I think every bad trip is unnecessary. Every bad trip is just the wrong dosage of drugs and the wrong counselor there to help that person. You see, I had no counselor. It was everyone's first time. Yeah. See, you need to institute a safe, a drug safe word policy with Bobby, where if something like this happens again, you text him, Bobby shows up with a blowgun where the darts dipped in tranquilizer, puts you out, you're saved. I was begging for a tranquilizer. I'm like, all I want is a fucking, like, like a big bag of ketamine I can pour over my head. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, and I do the entire thing dressed like Steve Irwin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but in my hallucination, I'm a fucking stingray, so... <laughs> Anyways, but before we go, now that I've experienced my first bad trip, that won't affect mushrooms, will it? No. Okay. No, no, and, and we'll we'll plan it, you and I, next time. You give me a call, and we'll make sure everything's okay. All right. All right, well, let's call it a week. Uh, I'm Ryan for Dave and Bobby. Hey, before we go, any shows coming up? <laughs> <laughs> We're all-, all right. Hopefully we'll see you next week cruising with the twos. No, no, that's what they want you to think. You need to eat acai berries. Acai berries are the only thing that's keeping them from killing us. Motherfucking time is passing by